0: Tonight we're going to go to Matthew chapter 26, uh, rather chapter 12, verse 36. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. I hope you have your Bibles with you because we're going to be looking at several scriptures during this Bible study. Matthew chapter 12, and verse 36. Let's read it all together. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Let's read that verse of scripture scripture again. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof the day of judgment. I'm sure you've read this portion of scripture and uh, in your bread reading program. How many is still reading through the Bible? Bible reading enriches in a day. Raise your hands high. We want to get a count. one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen nineteen twenty twenty one twenty two twenty three twenty four 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. That's good. And he's 25. Okay. And maybe some of the young people are. But that's who's here tonight. That's wonderful. I'm so happy. How many do we have currently on the list, Sister Barb? She's in another conversation. (laughs) How many do we have on the list that are reading? Okay. (laughs) Some dropped out? (laughs) Well, we're glad for those that have stayed. But... um, The word of God is powerful. Idle words, and I've read this verse of scripture many times. I've never taught from this passage, but this is my first time tonight. And so for sure, words are powerful. God's words are so powerful that they actually created everything. Now, let's think about that for a minute. With the power of his words, God said, let there be light. Boom! And from nothing, suddenly atoms and light beams were created. Sun wasn't created, just light. He said, let there be light. That's in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and in Matthew chapter 33 and verse 9 I'd like to read Matthew 33 and verse 9 for he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. I have in marginal notes. It says, for he spake and it was created. Matt, uh, did I say Matthew? I meant to say Psalms 33. <laughs> 28 as far as you go, huh? <laughs> Got a new version here now. <laughs> Psalms 33 and verse 9. That's better. Yeah. Some of you are reading along with me, I think. (laughs) 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 Psalm 33, verse 9 says, For he spake, and it was created or done. He commanded, and it stood fast or firm. Two verses of scripture that say, that tell us that God's words are actually so powerful that they created everything. But his creation also has power. The Bible says that he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. Of all of God's creation, we are the only created beings that use words for communication. Now, other beings of God's creation, animals, they they use communication But we are the only ones that use words of God's creation. We don't use grunts or uh, uh, sounds. I know sometimes we wonder if some people have devolved to the the other creation. (laughs) But of God's creation, mankind, the one he breathed into the breath of life into his nostrils, the first man, Adam, we are the only one that used words as God did. And so we have creative power like God. We are not the creator, but we have creative power. Seems that some of you might question that. If any of you have children, how many has children in here? Well, you have creative power. It's called procreating when you have children. Children. And so we have created power. By using our words. Which are much more powerful than anything that you have seen with your physical eye. In Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21. And if you'd like to turn your Bible with me there. Proverbs 18 and 21. It says death. And life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The power in life and death can be seen in a jury trial. The power of someone being sentenced to life in prison can be just a few words spoken by a judge at the end of a trial. And people are very concerned. Just a few words that are based on law, which, is con- which consists of words. Life and death, imprisonment for life or imprisonment for years. And so you see the power of our words, the positive or destructive power of our words. Where witnesses and jury members can speak words that might literally... Determine a defendant's life or death. Less extreme but no less real are the power of encouraging words. Encouraging words. Words that give hope and joy. Now, I could take a census in here, and we don't want to dredge up bad memories. But it seems that we latch on to discouraging words more than we do encouraging words. They both have power, but one has power to build up. And the other has power to destroy. Now, let's just segue here for a moment we both we know that they have encouraging words have power to build up and discouraging words have power to destroy and if you attach words to memory uh, this is i, I really want to get into your into your mind tonight when you attach words to memory words that are positive and encouraging have just as much power as discouraging word. But pain is something different than happiness or joy or elation or any of those other words, describing words that I could talk about in uh, happiness. Pain is derived Drives deep in our heart when it goes into our ear and it goes into our mind and then it lodges in our heart. And that pain gives us a permanent memory which constantly replays over and over and over and replants the seed and brings forth the fruit many times over from the discouraging word said. Now, uh, I don't want to Hurt anybody in here, but someone somewhere has said something in a discouraging light to you. I mean, very negative or bad or hateful or hurtful. Meaning they they said it. You know, some things are said in truth to try to encourage you to hey, you need to straighten up and stop doing that, or you're going to destroy yourself. And that might hurt somebody, but it's not meant to be uh, destructive. It's meant to say hey, you need to wake up because the path you're going down is not a good one. I mean, if you don't stop drinking, that might hurt somebody's feelings. If you don't stop drinking, it's going to destroy you. So th- those, are, those might be hurtful words to the person that hears it, but it's not meant to, to sh- destroy. But there are other words that are used to destroy a person's character or self-worth. Those are hurtful words. And those words can bring fruit many years after they are said uh, and I, i'm just segueing into this but you as an individual have the have the power to stop those words from regrowing in your life Amen. i just want that to sink in because somebody might have told you something sometime and you believed it didn't make it true didn't mean it was fact it's just at the moment it seemed right because a person of authority said it to you and so you agreed with him you know there's power in agreement i'm getting at all these power But you, no one has the power over your mind but you. I'm talking to you about idle words tonight. And and many times, words that are idle are thrown out there and just as almost so much seed and can destroy people. They weren't premeditated. They weren't thought out. They weren't preplanned. They weren't written out. It just popped into their head. And they became a carrier, and they spoke those words. So words have the power to encourage, to give hope, to give joy, and the power of discouraging words to spark to spark dismay and depression. I think a lot of people's clinical dis- depression is not from their environment or that they're currently involved in, it's it, it really stems and, and it's from way back, and, and they rehash those thoughts, and it causes them to be depressed. I, I'm I'm here really t- tonight to tell you, you can bind that and cast it out of your life. Amen. You know, you you need to speak. There's very, very, very much power. Brother Jesse said something you need to command healing. You need to command. You know, the devil brings those things back to your mind. He knows now he cannot read your mind. There's only one that can know your mind and read your mind, and that's God. The devil is just a created angel, but he has been around us so much that he knows our habits and he knows what causes us to stumble and he knows what happened to us before. So he casts the same bait out there before that he used before and we latch onto it seemingly every time but you can break the chain of darkness that he constantly uses to throw out there so the jesus said i tell you that everyone will give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken now the king james version translates every empty word as every idle word. The English Standard Version translates every careless word. The Greek phrase is rhema, which is an active word, argos, meaning careless or inactive or unprofitable. In context, Jesus contrasts the good things within a good person with the evil things in the heart of an evil person. Now we are admonished to make the best use of our words. Uh, that's really what I've, as uh, slowly but surely I'm trying to get us to change the way we think about ourselves and the way we speak. Because Matthew chapter 12 verse 34, I'd like for you to turn there. Matthew 12 and verse 34 says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good or good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks or speaketh. This is why I taught a lesson several weeks ago. About sarcasm. Sarcasm is is attached to our heart. And usually what is said in jest, there's a lot of truth to it. Oh, I was just joking. Has has anyone ever hurt you in a bad sort of way? And they said as uh, uh, kind of as a, uh, a caboose, you know, as a chaser to that bad statement. Oh, I was just joking. No, really, right here is this verse of Scripture. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaketh. So the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 37, the significance of words is that they will be used to gauge a person's spiritual Condition in the judgment. This is very powerful here. let's, Let's just read from verse 34, 35, 36, and 37. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. Now, Jesus said you'll know them by the fruit they bear. And let's look at this just for a minute, not just as in things that you do, but this is primarily talking about things you say. You shall know them by the fruit they bear. There are some people that they're, they're just on, they need a, a another battery because their battery is constantly discharging, pop negative. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? And they need some positive in their life. They need a really a, a, a dose because there's some evil. There's something in their heart. You can you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time, Abraham Lincoln said, and it will evidently and usually come out of your mouth what is in your heart. You can hide it for a while. You can mask it. And many people mask it by the use of sarcasm. But he said here, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Now this is Jesus speaking here in verse 37. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now I thought and the book of Revelation, that he's going to open the books. And he's going to look at the books. He's going to look open the 66 books, and then he's going to open the book of life. But Jesus makes an addition here to those uh, um, legal requirements of judgment. He said, by your own words, you're going to be justified. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Or you're by your own words, you're going to be condemned. I don't know. We need to just stop, think about that for a moment. Our words are very, very, very powerful. Amen. They're creative. Here, Jesus said, we're going to be judged how we speak and how we talk. Basing on Proverbs 18, 21, the lot, death and life are in the power. So for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. And Jesus was speaking to a group of Pharisees who had just accused Jesus of being demon-possessed. Verse 24 of this same chapter, 12. I I asked our resident expert in radio signals, Brother Harold. (laughs) So my first question was, do sound waves travel indefinitely? And he said, well, sound waves will only travel in an atmosphere uh, like this, that, that we're here. Um, and then I said, well, okay, let me ask this question. How about signals like radio signals? How far will it travel indefinitely? So I waited a little bit, and he gave me an answer. He said, now, I'm not sure about indefinitely. He said, but uh, 47 years ago, there was a broadcast that means in 1972 there was a broadcast and it bounced back it took you said it took 23 and a half years light years out 23 and a half light years now how fast does light travel i'm not uh, our resident uh, mathematics expert is is uh, teaching uh, the youth class Slightly faster than 186,000 miles per second. So light years. So uh, uh, when you're talking about light years, you're you're talking about a long distance. Okay, we'll just put it at that. So 23 and a half years, it traveled light years away. It traveled out someplace in space. They couldn't determine what it was that caused it to bounce back. But those signals that were broadcast bounced back and it took 23 and a half years, if you split the difference, to come back to Earth. They picked those signals up. I read the whole article, Brother Harold. They picked those signals up and they reassembled them and they're going to put them into a file that you can see uh, uh, What Doctor Who. Is that what the program was? I think it was Doctor Who, and they've been lost. Those those uh, uh, broadcasts, the tapes have actually been lost, and they they're they traveled 23 and a half years light years away. They bounced back. We got them back 47 years later, and they're going to reassemble them, and you can watch those same broadcasts. Now you say, well, what's that got to do with the price of tea in China? Jesus said, on the day of judgment, every idle word. Now, let's think about this. I have heard more than one person say that prayers never die. Now, I I, I attribute, that's why I asked the question about sound. So sound waves travel and they would dissipate outside of atmosphere but we're talking about something spiritual. Now if it's just a sound wave it would dissipate and disappear but now when you get it involved in uh, the element of the supernatural you, you've, you've gone into a different uh, plane. Amen. So that never dies and, that, and Jesus refers and he says on the day of judgment, meaning every idle word Meaning there are a lot of words that have been traveling. Billions and billions and billions and billions of words. If you want to consider every human being on earth. And God's got it under control and he's got it categorized and he's got it indexed and he knows what's going on. And he's going to open the books and then he's going to open a book with your specific name on it. You might have the same name as somebody else. But not everybody has the same DNA and has the same fingerprint, has the same breath, uh, 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 smell, and uh, everything about you is particular. And he's going to open your book. Think about this for a moment, the power of words. He said, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words. Oh, I'm getting to it, Sister Edie. So you say, oh, Pastor, I've said a lot of bad things. I've said some things that were foolish. I've said some things that were very idle. But you also have power over that. You do. Because we have a Savior, Jesus Christ the righteous. He died on the cross for our sins and shed his blood. We have the ability, He has given us the power to void and make gnaw all the effect of those idle words that have been spoken. Every curse word, every idle word, every vile thing said about or to someone, every hateful word, can be canceled out, made null and void, and disappear from the record of words that are traveling now because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what God has done for us? You can speak a word right now and say I believe, I confess, I get baptized in your name and I trust in you and I repent of my sins and and the creator, the one who spoke the worlds into existence says you are absolved of everything. I have no record and so on the day of judgment he's going to open your book. It's just going to be blank page after blank page after blank page. He's going to close it and say, Well, I judge you from the holy book because you have put everything under the blood. That's why the scripture, Paul in his writing said, Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't let the sun go down on those foolish, idle words that you've said. Hey, you're born again. We're all carnal nature. We all have a temper. We all have, get exasperated. We all have anxieties. We all have insecurities. And we say things. But you have an opportunity. Every day, great is His faithfulness. He is standing by and waiting for you to plead the blood, to put those idle words under the blood, so that every day when you wake up in the morning, it is fresh and new. You're not carrying on the, the, uh, the, those evil words that are hanging over your head, so to speak, as they travel through space and time, impervious to all the restrictions of space and time. Because, remember, he said he's going to call to judgment every idle word. So while our even average everyday words are going to judge us, can you consider how much power there is when you talk to the Lord? As Paul, writing, he said to the Corinthians, he said, when you speak in tongues... You're not talking to somebody else. You're not talking to that person that's next to you. You're talking to God. He, and, you know, someone said, when you're praying in the word that you know, words that you understand, you're praying that with your knowledge. But when you switched to speaking with other tongues, you're praying with God's knowledge. You see how much powerful that is? Now, we have power and we can speak words of life or death, but there's something so much more powerful when the Creator, who spoke the worlds into existence, He puts the words into your mind and you speak those same words, and you not realizing how much power has exited your mouth as you pray, amen, amen. Can you realize that that you're a vessel of honor, that you're a vessel of honor, that you've been used by the King of kings and the Lord of lords to perform his will. Amen. Hallelujah. Someone raise your hands to the Lord. Let's praise him right now. Let's thank him for what he has done in our lives. Hallelujah. 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 I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I believe it. I see it. Amen. Amen. So for those idle words. In Matthew chapter 12, as we were reading there to you, Jesus warns the Pharisee of uh, the Pharisees of the coming judgment at which they will be held accountable for their words. There is no better judge of a person's heart than the words he or she allows to come forth from their mouth. Just like good trees produce good fruit and bad trees produce bad fruit. I remember this has stuck in my mind for a long, long time. I was with dad and here in Indiana, northern Indiana, and he was visiting someone. And uh, I don't know, as the kids get hungry, I was hungry. And uh, there was a crab apple tree right there. And uh, so dad was knocking on the door, and while he was knocking on the door, waiting, and I went over and grabbed a couple of those little apples and proceeded to. They were a little sour, but, they you know, okay, I can. He said, "You shouldn't eat those. Don't eat those." He told me, gave me a command, "Don't eat those." He said, "They're going to make you sick," and yes, they did. <laughs> and and then it was. I was with him on another day, and and uh, we, I remember we walked up these stairs that were the second level and the yeah, out exterior stairs, and we walked and we were. He was knocking on the door, and there was this pear tree. The tree had grown large. And it was there were pears hanging there, and and I was as I was hungry, so (laughs) I'm not sure if they were feeding me or not, but I was hungry. (laughs) I had a voracious appetite. I don't know. And uh, I got a pear and I plucked it off and I took a big bite out of it before Dad could even see, and he said, "Don't eat that." He said it's already been there's already been a hard frost. He said those things are starting to rot. Well, I learned from the previous lesson not to just go ahead and take a few bites. I threw it down. But though that never, I never forgot that. And I always think of that illustration when I look at this. That good trees produce good fruit. And bad trees produce bad fruit. How was that? Walmart the other day, and we were looking at some trees and thinking of plant, planting a tree in our yard. And it takes a long time for fruit trees, uh, well, to grow and bear fruit. And we were looking at these peach, and I said, "It said super sweet." You know, they always stay they, they got these marketing schemes. You know, super sweet, fantastically sweet, and they get the, your saliva glands going because they get, get you thinking. But you know, that the, the tree is this big around, and it's not going to have any peaches on it for at least five or six years, you know, where am I going to be then? So I'll buy it from someplace that's grown in Georgia, you know. <laughs> but it just caught my eye, super sweet. And then I read the little tag, it said delicious. And I got to thinking, yeah, I'd like to have a peach right now. I thought these guys, they know what they're doing. They want me, they're, I, oh, I'm almost tempted to buy this tree that's, that is four feet tall, knowing that it's not going to grow peaches for a long time. I better go, yeah, i just go inside and buy some fruit in there. <laughs> but bad trees bear bad fruit, and good trees bear good fruit. So does the mouth reveal the heart's condition. The mouth reveals the heart's condition. It's not just evil words for which people must give account. Jesus said every careless or idle word, which can also be used as a judgment against the speaker. Even the slightest sin, the smallest deviation from God's perfection, will condemn a person in God's eyes. The Pharisees' sin was great. They had blasphemed the Lord's glory with their words. But even seemingly insignificant words, sometimes excused as, oh, slips of the tongue, are considered to be sinful. If they do not bring glory to God. You know, we need to, there's some words that should not be used. You don't ever hear me use, and I'll just use it for your uh, for your education tonight, but I don't say the word "bless God" in the same phrase. That's a curse word to me. I've heard people say say that in an exasperation. I'm thinking, what are you saying? I, I taught my children. I uh, uh, they 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 you use the. Uh, they came home from school, and I'm not against public school. All, all four of my children went to public schools, and I think it's a good thing, but. Uh, Not perfect, but it's good. Um, But one of them came home and said the word phrase, oh, my God. And I said, wait a minute. Stop right there. I said, uh, you only call on God when you're praising him or when there's an emergency. You don't use, you don't say the word God in any form or fashion just to be saying it. So if you're, you've got your hands raised in the air and you're praising, you can say, oh, my God, I love you. That's okay. And if there is an emergency, I mean, life or death, not just you're just using it to say it. I would call the name of Jesus. Don't say, oh, my God. Because God is a title. Jesus is a name. We could go into the power and how, why there's more power in a name versus a title. But I, we have to be so very careful. It's so very carnal. It's so very sinful to, to banter about and throw the name of God out. Even saying it in that way it should not be said. Every idle word. And the reason Jesus was so... Uh, upset with the pharisees is because they they were corner cutters <laughs> if i can say it like that you, you got my meaning they here they a sabbath day's journey was about uh, uh a third of a mile something like that and you were that's all you were allowed to travel by foot or uh, on on the sabbath is a third of a mile from your home, it had to be your home, so you couldn't go a third of a mile there and a third of a mile back, you had to calculate, if you're going to, a third of a mile, you had to break it in two, half of a third of a mile to the the destination you were going and coming back, so they worked around that, that was a problem, because they, they had things they wanted to do and places they wanted to go and people to see, and a third of a mile was not very far. Uh, And so they devised a way to get around that because it had to be from your property. It had to be from the place that you owned. And they would take an article of clothing or an item that they owned and they would hire someone to go a third of a mile and place that object there. So in theory, the third of a mile started over because you owned something and it was right there. Or if they owned multiple properties. And if they they would calculate and gauge if they were a third of a mile apart. And so they could go from one to the next and from the next and from the next. And so they had taken the law and made it of none effect. And Jesus said, your words are going to condemn you in judgment. Because you are trying to subvert the law. The law says... That you're a third of a mile, and it's not just to restrict you from being a third of a mile. It's, It was really a type of the Holy Ghost. This is the rest where with you shall cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing, but you wouldn't hear it. And that we could really talk about the Holy Ghost, how people use the Holy Ghost. They come in here and talk in tongues and get a a blessing from the Lord, and then they go right back outside and they say, that's Oak Park Pentecostals, that's the place where I attend. And people say, well, if that's where you attend, you don't look like you're living like you attend there. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So that's why Jesus said you take all the laws of God and try to distort them, try to... Make them fit around you versus you fitting around them. You know, God comes into our heart so he can make us like him, not so that we can mold him to be like us. Amen. According to verse 38, Jesus had the last word on the subject. For the scribes and Pharisees changed the subject immediately. What did he say in in Matthew chapter 12? Verse 38, let's read there. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. You know what they did? They changed the subject. There's a special word for that. It's called prevaricate. Meaning when someone asks, asks you a question, you prevaricate. Did you did you stay home? Did you go here? Did you do this? Well, you know, we were over here. That's not what I asked you. I asked you, and this is what Jesus is saying in verse 37. Verse 38, they jumped completely. They didn't want to talk about that because they knew that he had their number. And they said, we would like to see a sign from you. We'd like to see if you are who you say you are. In other words, I'm not going to give you who, what, with whose authority do you ask us this question? Do you know who I am? That's what they were saying. Do you know who we are? Do you know what club re, or what author, what association we belong to? That's what they were asking him. We would we would see a sign from thee. Let me see your credentials. That's what they were doing. De- so they prevaricated. They changed the subject. But he persisted on. What did he say in verse 39? But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet of Jonah. three days and three nights. In other words, the death, burial, and resurrection, I'm, one of these days you're going to try to destroy me and I'm going to come up on the third day. Amen? Hallelujah. Other passages give additional insight. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says here, Paul writing to the Ephesian church, let no corrupt or evil words, evil corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. This is true holiness here. This is true holiness right here. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm a holiness preacher, and I believe in standards, but this is true holiness right here. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I've had people say, well, I go down there and I shout and dance, but I talk. They talk all kinds of ways, tell all kinds of dirty stories, curse and swear. Oh, and you you say, really, preacher, you know some people like that? Oh, yeah, I know some people like that. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Does anyone here know what the word edifying means? Build up. So if you can use words that will build up. With that, it may minister grace unto the hearers. In other words, if it's going to build up and it's going to encourage those who hear what you have to say, then that's what you should be talking. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. James 3.8 advises us on how hard it is to control the tongue. Under your own power. It's difficult to control the tongue within your own power, but that's why we have the Holy Ghost. Amen. I, I, there were some elders in, back in the day, uh, they would say, you got the Holy Ghost? They'd walk up to you and say, you got the Holy Ghost? How's the Holy Ghost? They, they were asking, you know, you, you come to church, you're a believer, you pay your tithes, you're, you're, you're a member here, but I'm, I want to know how your Holy Ghost is. Because the Holy Ghost, in control of your life, will control your tongue. Because you'll be in submission to the Holy Ghost. But if you're in control, the Holy Ghost is not. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Then in James 4, 11 through 12, brothers and sisters, do not slander. How many knows what the word slander is? How many knows the definition of the word slander anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them now that now we're not talking about the world world slanders all the time i i have i i read with a very conservative eye the the news I just find a lot of slander. I don't like slander for either party. I don't want to hear slander against the Republicans. I don't want to hear slander against the Democrats. I don't want to hear slander against the uh, uh, independents. Just tell me the facts. Don't, don't tell me you're slant. I don't like slander. And it just turns me off, regardless of who it's coming from. Just, okay, I, I got your meaning. I don't need to listen to that slander. But here, anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges them, or sister, or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. Now I was thinking about this passage of scripture here. Let's look in James chapter 4 verse 12 so you can see it in in the pages of the Bible. James chapter 4 verse 11 and 12. We're coming to a close here in our Bible study. James 4 and chapter 11, I mean, chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his, his brother speaketh evil of the law. Now, that, I really had to think about this for... Why, how did James pull the law in here? Speaketh And he made speaking, let, let's read on here, verse... 11, speaketh evil the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. And there is only one judge or one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? In other words, we already have the word of God that will judge you. Don't you become a judge because you, be, you make yourself greater than the lawgiver. There's only one lawgiver, and that's God. Amen. We have the law. Someone said, well, then how, how can you preach anything? Well, I preach the word of God, and the word of God agrees with the preaching. Amen. Or the preaching should agree with the word of God. And that's what judges you. It's not a personal opinion. Uh, 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 the verse of scripture here. Let me let me think of it. Just I can't think of it for a moment. Uh, let me help. So, the, the it's not of any private interpretation. Okay, that's where. Where's that found? Does anyone know where that's found? Of any private interpretation. You know where that's found, brother Ham. Where is it? Let me look into my Strong's Concordance here. P-R-I. First Second Peter one twenty, Knowing this first. That no prophecy or preaching of the scripture is of any private interpretation. So that's why. Uh, uh, Those who teach and preach are going to be judged more harshly. To see if they were careful not to become a judge. But to speak what the lawgiver has already spoken. Does that make sense to you? You see what here he says, because the prophecy of the scripture is not of any private interpretation. When it starts getting a private interpretation, when you start isolating yourself, and you're the only one that can speak from the Word of God, then you're on dangerous ground. People can't hear from anyone else but you. That's why we have a fellowship, and we're all in this together. We It balances everybody out. Isolation is a very, very dangerous thing, and I'm against it. I said, well, I can't seem to get along. Uh, we got a uh, North American missionary coming, I said, hey, brother, we'll are glad, be glad to have you. He's going to be here on June 9th, and he's going to El Paso, Texas to plant a church. And I said, hey, that's wonderful. He's telling me. I said, you know, uh, Brother Smith, he, he's his church is, I guess, is the crow flies, is about a mile and a half, maybe two miles up from here, not very far. And I, I said, he's they're going to have you on Sunday morning, and we're going to have you on Sunday night. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, really. We do that sometimes. And and he says, well, you know, that doesn't happen everywhere. I said, he said, multiple churches in town, many times they can't have uh, a one Sunday morning and Sunday night. You know, if they've been at your church, well, they can't come to my church. And I said, that's unfortunate. And I said, Brother, Brother Smith and I are two different people. We're two different pastors. And I said, but we go to breakfast sometimes. Uh, we don't go there to hammer out things and beat each other up. We go there to, to, uh, to break bread and say, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on? How's the battle going? Amen. I said, it's unfortunate. Not everybody is like me, I think, you know, in my own mind, and we all think alike. We think everybody should be like us, don't we? Come on, just admit it. <laughs> just say yes. You know, I wish everybody was like me. If they, everybody thought like me, but the world would be a wonderful place. Not necessarily. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And maybe I go to have breakfast with Brother Smith because Brother Smith has something he can give me and I have something to give to Brother Smith. And when I go away, I feel blessed and he feels blessed and we're brothers in arms and we're two different people and, and we both got the Holy Ghost and we're not going to think alike. We don't administrate alike. There's, but hey, listen, we don't have to be exactly alike to get along. <laughs> Amen? Remember about every idle word judging. Praise God. Well, given the weighty consequences of our words, even our careless ones, we must learn to yield our body's members, most of all, our tongue, to the control of the Holy Ghost. The only one who can tame the tongue. Psalms 141 and verse 3, the last verse of Scripture. Set a guard over my mouth. Lord, Keep watch over the door of my lips. (laughs) That's powerful scripture. Set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Let's stand to our feet right now. Let's praise him for the word right now, would you, Jesus? We thank you, Savior. We praise you. We love you. We magnify you. We lift you up. We adore you. We thank you for all that you've done, Lord, for your great grace that is upon us, Lord. We thank you for your mercy and your kindness.